Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Rebecca F., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, May 10th, 2017, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are in Chapter 3, more about alcoholism on page 37, the fourth paragraph, beginning with, our behavior is as absurd and incomprehensible. We will be reading and commenting on three paragraphs ending on page 38 with, it's strong language, but isn't it true? Today's readers are Yvette A., Anita L., Harlan G., Lauren N., and Lynn S. Our newcomer greeter is Suzanne W. The reference numbers for yesterday, Tuesday, May 9th, 2017 are 9920 for the 7 a.m. Eastern meeting and 9921 for the 10 a.m. Eastern time meeting. OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery to the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Yvette A. to read the 12 Steps of OA. Thank you, Rebecca, for your service today. This is Yvette A., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from New York. The 12 Steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 
9, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for his knowledge, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to do service today. Thank you, Yvette A. I will now ask Anita L. to read the 12 traditions of OA. Good morning, everybody. This is Anita L. from outside of Philadelphia. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there's but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive eater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Anita L., how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year. For readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. 
We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 37, the fourth paragraph beginning with, our behavior is as absurd and incomprehensible, through three paragraphs ending on page 38 with, it's strong language, but isn't it true? We will be commenting on the entire reading today. I will now ask Harlan G. to get us started. Harlan G. Please start one time. Okay. Good morning, Rebecca. This is Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. Can I be heard? I hear you loud and clear, Harlan. Great. Thank you. Our behavior is as absurd and incomprehensible with respect to the first drink as that of an individual with a passion, say, for jaywalking. He gets a thrill out of skipping in front of fast-moving vehicles. He enjoys himself for a few years in spite of friendly warnings. Up to this point, you would label him as a foolish chap having queer ideas of fun. Luck then deserts him, and he is slightly injured several times in succession. You would expect him, if he were normal, to cut it out. Presently, he's hit again, and this time he has a fractured skull. Within a week after leaving the hospital, a fast-moving trolley car breaks his arm. He tells you he has decided to stop jaywalking for good, but in a few weeks he breaks both legs. On through the years, this conduct continues, accompanied by his continual promises to be careful or to keep off the streets altogether. Finally, he can no longer work. His wife gets a divorce, and he is held up to ridicule. He tries every known means to get the jaywalking idea out of his head. He shuts himself up in an asylum, hoping to mend his ways. But the day he comes out, he races in front of a fire engine, which breaks his back. Such a man would be crazy, wouldn't he? You may think our illustration is too ridiculous, but is it? We who have been through the ringer have to admit if we substituted alcoholism for jaywalking, the illustration would fit us exactly. However intelligent we may have been in other respects where alcohol has been involved, we have been strangely insane. It's strong language, but isn't it true? This is a story for the ages, and it applies to me 100%. I have been ransacked by this illness from the time I was, I had my thumb in one hand, in my, I had my thumb in my mouth from one hand and an Oreo cookie in my mouth probably from the other hand. I was in diapers, and I, my mother and father told me of my insatiable desire for food. And it never, ever left me for decades of my life. I have lost time. I have been humiliated by this illness. I have been screamed at. I have been physically assaulted. I have been humiliated. I have been degraded. I have been pulled through pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization at the hands of this illness. 
I was 335 pounds as a senior in high school. I went on my first date with a girl when I was 35 years old. I have broken furniture. I have sat on lawn furniture that sunk to the ground because the ground was wet and I sunk into the lawn. And it never stopped me. Many, many times in my life I have come home with a stomach so full of food that it was shooting out of me from both ends. And I would go in and I would do my business in the bathroom and I would come out with tears in my eyes vowing to kill myself, vowing never to eat this way again, vowing never to get caught coming out of that restaurant again by people who humiliated me. And I would seek solace in the refrigerator. I would look for something to eat to kill the pain of eating too much food. I have eaten railroad cars full of Kit Kat bars to kill the pain of eating railroad cars full of Kit Kat bars. And here is the shocking truth. For 18 and a half years, I have been abstinent through the fellowship of this program, but more because of the 12 steps contained within the book Alcoholics Anonymous. I have had a wonderful life. I have traveled hither and yon doing big book studies and retreats and conventions. I have had a tremendous life in Overeaters Anonymous. But here is the tremendous fact. If I stop working the steps, I will revert back to eating railroad cars full of Oreo cookies to kill the pain of eating railroad cars full of Oreo cookies, and I will die in the filth of this illness if I stop working the steps because my mind will seek solace in food to kill the pain of not eating, which is too much for me to bear without the steps. I will absolutely go back to it without the working of the steps. And the working of the steps is the only way I have to stay out of the food. There by the grace of God walk I. And if it were not for these steps, this is exactly how I would live until I die. Excuse me. This is the quintessential story of the big book is the jaywalker, and it absolutely applies to me. And no matter how much abstinence I have, no matter how many retreats I do, how many conventions I speak at, I will absolutely go back to it because that's what compulsive overeaters do. And with that, I will pass. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Harlan G. I'm going to ask for up to six people who would like to share on these Matt Wait one second. I think I heard Linda D from Connecticut, was it? Lori V. Oh, could you say your name again? Sure, Lori, L-O-R-I. Lori, Lori, Z. Okay, right. I have my six for now. Matt M, Tina S, Katie G, Nessa R, Dan S, I believe, and Lori Z. Go ahead, Matt M. Good morning, Rebecca. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M, from Pulse Over Eater from New Jersey. 
Yeah, um, I am Jay Walker. I can totally relate to this gentleman because I was just like that, running in the running in the face of people, running to different. I almost got an accident going to different drive-thrus and going to different restaurants. I've been driving home, my hand would be in a bag, and if I dropped a fry on the on the, on the floor of the car, I would drop. I would bend down trying to get it as I'm driving. Almost got an accident multiple times going out in snowstorms to go get food, going out in rainstorms, monsoons almost, going out there. I went out on a tornado warning one time just to get food at the local quick check down the street from me. Insanity. And like myself as well, I was up to 350, 340 pounds in high school as a senior, and I was in marching band. That's what kept me from getting too much fatter than that. But it was insanity at its best. And um, I'm just great that just for today, I don't have to act like that anymore. I'm getting honest about my food and what's going on with my food. I'm getting abstinent again, but um, I'm definitely not normal. I can't cut it out because I, I, only God can help me. I can put the food down, but he has to help me with the rest. I can take the action to work the rest of the steps. Uh, I was crazy. I was such a man I was crazy. I absolutely was crazy because I actually had to stop working because I got so fat that I had to go on disability. I was out of the 650 pounds, but profuse swelling in the bottom of my leg, lymphedema. I was in the hospital multiple times with cellulitis, a staph infection that you can get. If you have lymphedema, I got MRSA. I was in the hospital so many times I contracted MRSA. I, my blood pressure was to the roof. I had I got, contracted type 2 diabetes. Um, the, the list can go on, and if an item, the things that the health issues that I caused myself. Even though I weigh a, a significantly a lot less, I still have all those health issues that will never go away. Plus two, two new ones I found out that are hereditary that I got from my father's side of the family. So I'm just, you know, I'm a walking time bomb. If I don't get the, if I don't get the rest of the steps and get recovered and let God help me take care of the rest of the weight, I can wind up getting a heart attack very easily because I'm still morbidly obese. But just today I'm surrendering to that fact that, you know, I don't have to feel like that anymore. I don't have to eat railroad cars with Oreo cookies or Reese's peanut butter cups, which is what I used to like a lot, or gummy candies or any of that other stuff or junk or sugar. Um, I don't have to do that just for today. I can just say, listen, I don't need it. It's not something I need in my life right now. It's not going to bring anything to my life. It's going to take away from my life and shorten my life as much as I shortened it already by years, by years of compulsively overeating. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Matt M. Tina S. Thanks, Rebecca, for your service. Tina S., recovered compulsive eater, anorexic in Florida. I'm grateful to be on the line some great stuff. Thanks so much for the shares. I, uh, you know, what comes to mind for me was it gets worse, never better, you know. And for a while, I was able to participate in my disease, and, and it wasn't that bad, or so I thought, you know. Um, I had many warnings, like it's been shared, you know, but I didn't heed any of them, you know, until it was, uh, until I, you know, it was just beaten down, you know, and, um, you know, I'm all over this disease, uh, compulsive eater, anorexic, uh, binge eater, uh, and all that kind of stuff, and, you know, the, uh, finally, when I came in the last time in 1999, it was only because, let me just tell you, you know, since I am such an intellectual, I could not think, and I had starved myself to the to the point where I could not think, I couldn't put a sentence together, and that's what brought me to the rooms again, finally, because as long as I could think a thought, there was somehow, some way, some day that I could master this disease. And I, God gave me, by, by God's grace, I was shown that there was no way. And, and, I, and I'll just end with this. You know, there comes a time when I don't have a mental defense. And that defense must come from a power greater than myself. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina S. Katie G. Hi, Rebecca. Can you hear me? I hear you, Katie. 
Wonderful. I'm starting my timer. Good morning, everyone. This is Katie G, Recovered Compulsive Overeater, Anorexic, and Bulimic from Boston. Man, love hearing you guys. Um, I think a couple things struck me, especially the intelligence. Like, I don't you know who I am? Like, I'm Katie G from Boston. Like, don't you know who I am? Like, that has killed me time and time and time again. Because let's be honest, the concepts in the big book are so beautiful and they're quite simple. So if you're an intellect like me who's gone to extreme crazy measures, the concepts in this book are not too hard to figure out. But I, no amount of knowledge has ever kept me from doing the same insane things I did that all of us are sharing. Like, I remember being quite young and reading about aspartame causing cancer in rats and thinking, well, at least I'll be thin, right? Like, at least I'll be thin. Like, that kind of thinking is extremely silly, foolish, mentally disordered, crazed, and lunatic. And where my disease brought me in anorexia, in bulimia, is I wanted to be shut up in an asylum. Like, I couldn't wait. Like, I was like, take me out of this world. I can't do this anymore. Um, and, um, you know, I have been through the ringer, like all of us. And, and um, for me, this illustration is so beautiful because it shows me no amount of thinking. Like, I can talk about this book. I can rationalize this book. I can theorize about this book. But none of this willingness, all willingness is, is action. And I have to get out of my head and into action that once I start taking the actions of entire abstinence and working the steps, a God comes in and starts to trans, transform my life. Yesterday, I was sitting with a patient, and they were eating food because that's my job, is to teach people how to eat food that are paralyzed, etc. And a normal person said to me, oh my gosh, how do you do this? You must think about food all the time. And I am walking through some pretty painful things right now, and guess what? The thought of food is not coming to me. It's not, I'm not craving it. Like that is a miracle, the fact that I'm alive today. And it's not because of my intellect. It's because I, when, when in my biggest moments of crisis, the most important thing I say is I don't know. I don't know. I need to go from I know to I don't know because my track record of knowing is what has killed me. When I say I know, I am unteachable and I am devastated and I am back in traffic, killing myself or chewing gum or doing something that is going to kill me and not caring because I believe the lie that if, I'll, if I'm thin, everything's going to be okay. And praise God, we have these steps to teach me otherwise. And I have one more day to do it with you. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. Nessa R. Thank you. Good morning. Vision for you. This is Nessa R. Uh, recovered in Toronto, Canada. He tries to get the jaywalking out of his mind. Out of his mind, not out of his body. Because it's in my mind that, that is the greatest aspect of my disease. That's where it lives. That's where it lives. You know, as much as I ate and how, how long I ate, um, you know, which seems to be for me the entire day, I spend much more time and effort thinking about the food, what I was going to eat, how I was going to get it, where I was going to edit, get it, how I was going to eat it, where I was going to eat it, how I was going to, 
you know, uh, dispose of the of the evidence. I was going to hide it. Uh, and more importantly, all the justifications, which at the time I call reasons, but now I know they're excuses for why I was going to eat what I was going to eat. And all that thought process consumed me, consumed me. So it's not so much my body, but it was what's going on in my brain. And this is why abstinence alone is not enough. It could be the most perfect abstinence. It could be squeaky clean entire abstinence, but it is not enough because it doesn't address what's going on in my mind. The only thing that addresses what's going on in my mind um, is the working of these precious steps. The steps are outlined in the, in the big book, both following these uh, instructions precisely that will unblock me to the real solution to my life's problems, which is obviously not the food. Um, it is God. And, you know, without the steps, I cannot avail myself of that real, permanent, and enduring solution um, because I cannot quiet my mind. I cannot get the jaywalking out of my mind. And that is the crucial point of all this, is how do I get this obsession out of my mind? And this is why this book was written. And this is why I have to follow the instructions in this book every day, not only until I finish working steps one to nine, but every single day, because one to nine will teach me a skill set of thought, but steps 10, 11, and 12 will help me practice them until they become a, a working part of my mind, until they become my real nature. I mean, so people say my second nature, but I say my real, my real nature because my, the real me wants to be connected with the real solution, which is God, and it's only, it only comes through the working of the steps. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. Uh, before we continue, I want to let you know that after Jan S., and Lori Z's turns, we will be breaking for a brief announcement. Go ahead, Jan S. Good morning, a Vision for You family. This is Jan S. from St. Augustine, Florida. I absolutely love this chapter. I love this jaywalker because he is me. The insanity that every time he went out, he stepped in front of a different type of vehicle even. I mean, how many times in my life did I try different food plans, different diets? I'm going to starve today. I'm going to binge tomorrow. I mean, it went on forever. And how many other obsessions did I pick up? when I was abstinent. Maybe this relationship will be the one that will make me okay. Maybe that $500 charge will help me feel good. I constantly, insanely thought there was something out there that was going to make me feel good inside. None of it ever did and none of it ever could because it was the thinking. There was no physical cure out there for my mental obsession, for my thinking. There's only one source that's going to take that insanity of thinking from my mind, 
that obsession for something that nothing will fill except for God in my life. That's it. No clothes. Oh, that cute little outfit. Look at those great shoes. I've got to have that purse. I've got to eat this. It's none of it. None of it. It is all just a different vehicle that I'm stepping in front of like our jaywalker. And I understand today that there is no physical solution for the mental obsession and insanity that goes on in my thinking. No human aid. I am beyond human aid. Only a source and a power greater than myself can remove this thinking. But I'm the one who has to ask. I have to ask. I have to continue to ask. I have to continue to review my thinking. Where is the fear? Where is the anger? Where is the frustration? That's all in living the steps every day of my life. Every day I have to say I am powerless, not only over the food, but of my life, of my thinking, of the way I respond to people, all of those things. So one day at a time, I have no other choice but to continue to work this program, and I do it gladly today because it saves my life. It saves my life so that I can help other people. It helps me stay on track so that I can have good relationships in my life and to grow spiritually because to me, that continues to be my ultimate goal in life is to continue to grow spiritually and develop another level of, of communication and relationship with God of my understanding. And with that, I pass. Thank you all for being here. Thank you, Jan S. Lori Z. Lori Z. Star one to unmute. Thank you, Rebecca. Can you hear me? Yes, I do, Lori. Okay. Good morning, Rebecca and Harlan and everyone. Um, thank you for your service. Um, I am very new to OA. And this program was recommended to me. Um, Harlan, thank you so much for your heartfelt share. And um, it definitely solidified that uh, I am definitely where I need to be in in OA. And uh, especially with the Oreo cookie story, um, my first... um, Problems with food started with uh, in my, I think it was in high school, and it was when double-stuffed Oreos first came out on the market, and it was love at first bite. And um, and I, that's it started. I did not have any control over, over food, and I was in a um, bad relationship at the time, and that's how I chose to numb myself. And... Um, I'm finding that every summer to undo the damage I have done with food in the winter time, I deprive myself of food and um I cannot tolerate sometimes the food that's in my in my system and I purge and I'm really tired of the cycle and I would I really want it to stop and uh it's mentally exhausting this definitely is a disease of the mind and um someone had shared this morning that it doesn't get better and it's not getting any better i find that between lunchtime and dinner 
are my witching hours, and I just go from cabinet to cabinet between sweet and salty. And um, I'm really looking forward to finding a solution in OA and having this um, very exhausting and um, disease, um, just getting a handle on it and um, and finding a solution. Thank you for letting me share. I hope it made sense. With Thank that, you, Lori Z. And now we interrupt our regularly scheduled program to bring you this important message from our sponsor, Monica. Yeehaw! It's coming. Have you registered? A Vision for You is hosting our second convention. And if this is anything like the first one, you don't want to miss this. When? September 15th through the 17th, 2017. Where? At the Marriott Hotel and Convention Center at Liberty International Airport in New Jersey. How do you register, you ask? Go to www.avision4u.info. Come and experience the power of the big book in person. You don't want to miss this. Now, back to Rebecca. Thank you, Monica. Okay, we open up the floor again to others who would like to share on these three years. Vasa, Vasa O. Leave a P. Vasa O. I think I heard Larry K. And um, I know I heard Leah M. Um, Melissa C. I think was before Leah. I probably missed somebody. Who Reva P. Reva P. Okay, I'll put you after Leah. And um, let's see, five times three. We could do maybe one or two more, perhaps. Leslie W. Leslie W. <laughs> Was there anyone else who I missed? Okay, we've got six people, and that might cover us. So let's see how it goes. It's Vasa O, Larry K, Melissa C, Leah M, Reva P, and Leslie W. Go ahead, Vasa O. Thank you. Thank you, Rebecca, for your service, and I'm grateful recovered. Compulsive over you, and thank you for all of your shares. Harlan, I love listening to you and to all of you. And my love... uh, for food started when I was uh, around 15 years old when we came in America, and I was introduced to all these delicious foods, and I remember gaining 20 pounds in one month. And uh, so I was 15 years old. I came in the program when I was 41 years old, and I'm 72 years old, and I'm really, I'm not ashamed to admit how old I am today because the life that I have being in the program for 32 years, it's just amazing in, with every area in my life. And I remember reading the story at the beginning, the first time I read the Jay Walker. I'm saying, this is crazy. Why would he do such thing, you know? Why would he get thrilled running, in, you know, in front of the um, fast-moving vehicles and, you know, getting hurt, you know? And it took me a while to get it, the insanity, the thrill that he was getting out of it, you know. And I remember myself getting the thrills of eating 
those alcoholic foods, you know, sugar, carbs, um, um, you know, any kind of food. You know, I, you know, I was also a grazer. You know, I mean, I would eat my meals, or I'd kiss when I would go on a crazy diet. I'd be skipping meals, or I would be, be restricting myself. You know, and the, uh, the insanity that I was doing the same thing with the food—it's the same thing. And I remember, you know, I mean, you know, I've done anorexia, I've done bulimia, you know, I've done all kinds of the Weight Watchers, all, you know, any of those programs that I heard, I tried everything, but I could not keep it down. I could go on the diet for a little bit, you know, but I could never keep it down. And I'm just so grateful. I mean, I do believe God led me in the 12 steps, you know, and I had the gift of desperation, and what a gift, you know. And I remember I did come to the physical. I've shared that many times. When I lose the weight, I'm just going to leave, you know. And I kept on hearing speakers that had been there. They had been in the program for a year or two years, and they decided they didn't need the program, and they were just going to go and do it themselves. They're going to be fine. And then coming back, some of them came back. Some of them didn't return back. Some of them died. I have a couple best friends. They, you know, oh, my God, I can't, you know, it's so sad that they just say, well, I gained the weight. I'm too embarrassed to come back. When I lose it, then I'm going to come back to the program. And they stayed sick, you know. And, again, I'm just so grateful that I was letting this big book, The Twelve Steps, the programs, and God keeps me abstinent, you know, and by working the steps, I've learned all about the resentments, the fears, the anxieties, the jealousy, you know, the fourth step, it's all about very painful, but to go through it, it's very healing. Thank you very much for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Larry Kay. Good morning. Good morning, Rebecca. Thanks for your service. Larry Kay, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. So I, uh, you know, um, I think about this jaywalker, and and you know, and, I, and it occurred to me that you know, if this jaywalker appeared in front of us, and, and it, what if you asked the jaywalker, you know, why why do you do this? Why do you get such a thrill out of skipping in front of fast moving vehicles? And I thought, you know, maybe he would say, like I've heard, perhaps you've heard, hey. Look, buddy, if you were raised the way I was, you'd play in traffic too. If you had my job, you'd do the same thing. If you experience fear the way that I do, you'd do the same thing. You don't understand. And see, to me, research has shown that our, our self-reporting about our own motives can be highly, highly unreliable. And it's not because we're trying to protect ourselves or, or deceive others or even elevate ourselves in the eyes of others. No, the main reason that what we report about our own motivations is inaccurate is because so much of our mental life is inaccessible to us. In other words, for example, our very description for why we are sure we binge is often inaccurate and mistaken because we simply do not have complete access to the very mental conditions, those subconscious influences, you know, that are, that are drivers of this behavior. And, and many of the most important influences on our perceptions and behavior 
are hidden from us, just like it was probably hidden from the jaywalker, and we're never directly aware of the mental processes that produce those perceptions, those beliefs, and, and, and that behavior. And if you accept this premise as being even remotely true, then we're going to have to only we're going to have to get access to some power greater than us that can enable us to overcome a condition of thinking beyond our ability to understand and change. And that's why people will continue to be encouraged to look for door number three. I bet the jaywalker was looking for door number three. See, there's only for people like you and me, there's only two doors. Disease is behind door number one and all its manifestations. And behind door number two is recovery through the 12 steps leading to a spiritual awakening. And this program of action doesn't give a damn about what I think about it, nor does it play favorites as some sort of cruel joke perpetrated against you for being a, a bad little boy, bad little girl. See, no, no, no. This program, we, we have to, we have to, you know, apply more of a dialectical reasoning approach to this thing. It means a process of arriving at truth through comparing and contrasting solutions. Do the deal, take the actions, watch what happens, compare it to your life before. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Larry. Okay. Melissa C. Hi, good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C. Recovered Compulsive Overheater in New York. And, um, you know, when I would first read this story about the jaywalker, um, I, I kind of thought it was silly at first because, um, you know, I could not understand uh, a desire to run in the middle of the road, you know, and, and I would say things, you know, like, but food tastes good. You know, I was still holding on to this idea um, that I was eating because I liked the flavor and the taste. And, um, you know, and I would imagine, if I compare myself to the jaywalker, that initially he may have said things like, um, yeah, I love busy, you know, I love busy streets. I love cars, you know. And, um, but loving cars and loving busy streets doesn't, doesn't um, cause somebody to want to go in the middle of the road and get hit, you know, to try to get away from um, getting hit, you know, running in the middle of the road. And and so the same thing with my food. Someone who likes food um, doesn't plan elaborate binges, you know, um, away from their family to eat alone in in the bathroom. I mean, that's that's not a love of food. That's eating for some other purpose. And, you know, and so my disease, just like the story here of the jaywalker, definitely progressed. You know, I know I was born, you know, I believe I was born a compulsive overeater because the earliest stories that I heard growing up was, you know, my first words were more. I always loved food, but it definitely um, grew. It definitely progressed. And so just like the jaywalker who, you know, got, uh, you know, hit maybe once, and then people were like, this is kind of silly, you know, I gained a little weight, people were like, you better, you know, Melissa, you're getting a little chubby, um, and, and so then I would try, you know, things like diets, and, but um, eventually, you know, like, this guy's getting run over, and his back is broken by a fire truck, 
you know, I, I would imagine that what it takes to thrill him, what it takes to um, give him a little pleasure, it's growing. And that's what happened with my disease, that the quantities it took, the um, the craziness of my binges were, were growing and growing and growing. And so there was no nothing intelligent. I could not, you know, you can't rely on intelligence for this. An intelligent person um, sees that there's a relationship between what they put in their mouth and the size of their body. You know, that's for one. An intelligent person sees that um, choosing to, to steal people's food is going to lead you to have to face some really embarrassing consequences. And so there is nothing intelligent about this, and so we can't come to this. I did not come to this with an intelligence. I had to come with a desperation. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Leah M. Thank you so much. Boy, do I relate to these uh, paragraphs with the jaywalker. I mean, I relate to the um, <laughs> to the absurdity. Um, the big book is using the absurd to spotlight the absurd, you know, from not wanting to stop jaywalking or, you know, binging because it was too much fun to not being able to stop due to the peculiar mental twist, that obsession of the mind that had developed, um, slowly wrapping its talons around my neck without my clear awareness or understanding of it. You know, the chains of compulsive overeating were much too soft to be felt until they were much, much, much too hard to be broken. And, you know, it just, I get it. I get it. I get the progression of it. I get that it always gets worse. It never gets better. I get that it wore him out because it wore me out. You know, by the by the end of this career of mine, I had uh, no sense of family, no sense of community, uh, very little ethics or morals. The madness was so severe for me, it was like my soul was getting sucked out of me. I was shattered when I came to recovery. Um, you know, the reality was that even after all the suffering, even after all the medical consequences that I had, the numerous hospitalizations for the multitude of facets of this disease that I had, the mental torture, the emotional turmoil, the isolation that I was experiencing as a young woman, the deep depression that I had, the suicidal thinking that I had, and eventually acted upon, um, you know, I would think that picking up that first bite was the best idea I ever had. Um, it was like I was self-destructing by my own hand under the guise of seeking ease and comfort. And I did not understand clearly the urgency and the necessity for these steps that um, I was going to have to experience this way of life, but I was going to have to do it. First, by putting down the food and moving through these steps so that I could be transformed. My text says to get over compulsive overeating will require a transformation of thought and attitude. 
But first I had to understand who and what I was. It wasn't important that those around me fully comprehend who and what I was. Did I understand who and what I was? Do I understand and fully concede that I'm a real compulsive overeater? And do I understand that my recovery and pressing into these steps is a life and death matter for me? And that was true January 19, 1987. And it's got to be true every day of my life. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Leah M. Reva P. Good morning. It's Reva P., Grateful, Recovered, Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. Two things struck me from these paragraphs. First of all, I'm noticing the words that he has decided, he promises, he tries, he shuts himself off, and he hopes. And whether it was before program or even in program, once I even know the steps, if I'm trying and I'm deciding and I'm promising, I'm not going to do this with the food anymore. I'm not going to get angry with so-and-so anymore. I'm not going to be scared. I know I'm scared. I've done my inventory. I'll just not be scared. If I'm doing this with self-will, I'm in trouble and it's not going to work. Um, and I, instead of telling and deciding and promising, I need to be asking. I need to be accessing the power that's bigger than myself. And I can't do that if I'm blocked. So like everybody else has shared, I need to do the step work, remove the blocks, and then ask and access the power, which I really don't get till step 11. The other thing that struck me is that as others have shared, regardless of the consequences, no matter how bad it gets, and we can all you know, do our drunkologues and stories and illnesses, it doesn't matter. I'm going to do this anyway. Um, and that shows me yet again that it's not about external circumstances um, because he had a good life at the beginning and it didn't matter. Um, and the opposite is true too. It's all about what's going on inside. It's an internal condition. It's not about external circumstances because the other lie I tell myself is, you know, if only such and such, then I'd be okay, then I wouldn't binge. If I didn't have this in the past or I don't have this in the present or I didn't have this in the future that I'm afraid of, life would be great. But it's an internal thing in my mind. And that reminds me of the promise that, you know, once I get my thinking straight, and I have that transformation of thought by doing the steps, which as others have shared, happens to me, I don't make it happen, then the opposite is true, that no matter how chaotic it is, you know, how much calamity there is, no matter how many people are not doing what I want them to do, I can be okay, and then I don't need the food um, because it doesn't call to me, because it's been lifted out. Um, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. Leslie W. Thank you. This is Leslie W., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Tennessee. Um, and I just have to say that I was driving in this morning to take my three-year-old to preschool, and I saw two jaywalkers and had to laugh. Um, <laughs> so anyway, um, what I wanted to share was the part where it talks about he gets a thrill out of skipping in front of fast-moving vehicles, um, 
if I'm really honest with myself, I got such a huge thrill out of being lackadaisical um, with my food. I remember when I first came into program seven years ago, my first sponsor said, I want you to email me every day what you're going to eat for the next day. And I thought, what? Um, I can't do that. Um, I have a newborn baby at home. Um, I don't I don't know what I'm going to eat the next minute, much less the next day. And furthermore, I don't want to report that to you. <laughs> um, you know, I had a lot, a lot to learn, and I still have a lot to learn. Um, yeah, buddy. As soon as I think that I know what I'm doing, I am in trouble. Because like so many people have shared, intellect doesn't matter Self-sufficiency is not enough. Self-reliance is good as far as it gets, but it doesn't get us far enough. We run out to the end of ourselves. But the beauty of this is that when we get to the end of ourselves and realize that we are powerless, and that's when we're ready to take that first step and grab hold of a power that is greater than ourselves. And for me today, I know that it's dangerous for me to be haphazard with my food. Um, it's dangerous for me not to plan. It's dangerous for me to go to a restaurant and not know what I'm going to eat before I go. It's dangerous for me to not, to not be responsible. I have to be responsible because I understand. I understand the devastation. I understand who I really am. And the other people can 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 eat recreationally and go to parties and and nibble. But you know, um, I'm finding out more and more that I just cannot do that because I am a real compulsive overeater and I have to take precautions yeah. to protect my recovery. And I can't I can't live anymore. I can't because I'll die. I can't live anymore um, off that thrill, um, that vicarious thrill that the food used to give me. Um, because you know what, today um, the thrill is being able to be present in my life and to be able to, to, to help others and serve others and, and, and not feel crazy in my head all the time like I used to feel. That battle, that mental gymnastics no longer goes on in my head and just for today. And so I am incredibly grateful and just want to shout out to everybody. I can't wait to see all of you guys and meet all of you in person in September. Have a blessed day. Thank you, Leslie W. And with one minute to spare, this is Rebecca S. And I just want to mention that um, what jumped out at me when everyone was sharing and when Harlan was reading was at the top of 38. You would expect him, if he were normal, to cut it out. And I've learned in this book, there's many references that point out to me that I am not normal when it comes to eating. And uh, I didn't realize that until I was in this program. Thank God I realize and accept that now that I am a true compulsive overeater. And when it comes to food and maybe everything else for that matter, I am not normal. And with that, I pass. So now we're going to 
move on to wrapping up our first hour. So thank you, everyone, for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service. The reference number for this meeting, Wednesday, May 10th, 2017, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, is 9924. That's 9924. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Lauren N. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Thank you, Rebecca. This is Lauren N. Can you hear me? I hear you, Lauren N. Thank you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we have, we not only, sorry, we realize we know only a little. God will continuously disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do for each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourselves to God and you will understand God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in this fellowship of the Spirit. And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.